0: A brief update, it's May the 12th, 2024, I've released just two episodes of this year, my father-in-law passed away in January, he bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years, rest in peace John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. For back-to-back episodes, we actually have some trivia. What have you got for me today?
1: Well, it's a multiple choice regarding our NBA 85 series. How many days did it take for Larry Bird to break Kevin McHale's scoring record of 56 points in the 84-85 NBA season? Was it A, seven days? Yeah. Was it B, nine days, right, or C, I won't even bother because you're holding up nine fingers and (laughs) have answered the question. Well done. It was nine days.
0: Ah, fantastic.
1: I always like to say that Michael got to play with me for a year at North Carolina. (laughs) I think it really helped him. Spectacular player from the beginning.
0: You can see right away, Jordan was going to be a big time scorer. And showed what an impact he was going to have on the league.
1: This is NB86, celebrating the 30 year anniversary of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls' 1986 NBA season. And now your hosts,
0: Adam Ryan and Aaron Steen. Welcome back to another episode of NB86. We're up to episode 7 of the series. Aaron, as always, mate, welcome and
1: thanks for joining me. Thanks, mate. Looking forward to doing my best Tony Barber or Glenn Ridge impersonation in a moment.
0: Wow, Sale of a Century reference. Australian listeners will love that one, mate. Welcome back if you're a regular listener to the show. And if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. For back-to-back episodes, we actually have some trivia. What have you got for me today?
1: Well, it's a multiple choice. Again, with my last trivia question, I've gone you know, original and uses the other same line of questioning uh, regarding our NBA 85 series. How many days did it take for Larry Bird to break Kevin McHale's scoring record of 56 points in the 84-85 NBA season? Was it A, seven days? Yeah. Was it B, nine days? Right. Or C, I won't even bother because you're holding up nine fingers and (laughs) have answered the question. Well done. It was nine days.
0: Ah, fantastic. I do actually remember my notes mostly. There's some things I've typed from last series which I've completely forgotten, but that one I was pretty confident in. Nine days later,
1: yeah, breaks the record. For any future trivia questions that I bring up to you, if you want to, as you say, swat up on them, pretty much all you need to do is read all of your notes from the NB85 series. I recently calculated how many hours that the NB85 series went for. Over the
0: 30 episodes, it totaled somewhere nearing 22 hours (laughs) in duration. So... I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm pretty sure it's a good thing because there's still plenty of people who are digging back into the NB85 archives and listening to episodes on a daily basis. Just
1: think about a marathon runner that runs a marathon and all the pain and suffering and discomfort that (laughs) they have to go through, that would be a very similar kind of marathon if you were to listen to it for 22 hours straight.
0: Oh, I think they wouldn't even do that to uh, the worst criminals in the world. Yeah, torture. Um. Waterboarding and NB85. <laughs> I don't know where to go to from there. However, you can access that NB85 series in com slash NB85. That'll take you to the episode listings on my website. The only series of its kind. I should have remembered that because I shamelessly self-promoted it 175 times in the last four months with that one graphic. Hmm. <laughs> Moving on, your trivia question, mate then maybe let me know if you'd like multiple choice. In the 1985-86 NBA season that
1: we're covering right now, who
0: is the second leading scorer for your Atlanta Hawks? Would you like some multiple choice?
1: Um, Multiple choice for the 86 season? Yeah, I will take a multiple choice. Okay. Because initially, the first three guesses I'd have would be Willis Rivers or Webb. We'll
0: see how we go, mate. Here's the options. Well, we know who number one was, of course. Uh, Trey Rollins. No, um, <laughs> here's your choices, mate. You've got Kevin Willis, Glenn
1: Dock Rivers, or Randy Whitman. Jeez, that's a, a good one. Um, I'd probably have to go with Glenn Dock Rivers out of those three guys. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Randy Whitman. Really? Yes.
0: Randy Whitman averaged 12.9 points a game in 85-86. 12.9, and he was the... Second leading scorer.
1: Behind Dominique's NBA league leading, 30.3 points per game.
0: You've nailed the points per game for Nick. Randy Whitman was second with 12.9 points a game, closely followed by Kevin Willis,
1: 12.3, and Doc Rivers, 11.5. I'd love to see how many times a gap that big in between the number one and number two guys has happened in NBA history, because that's a whopper. Quite. Billy Paltz, it's a whopper. It's a whopper, pulse.
0: Uh <laughs> You've always had your finger on the pulse. mm yeah, that's a big disparity, isn't it? 30.3 down to 12.9. Mm. 86, 87, and 88. He averaged 10 points a game or better. So 12.9 was his career high and probably a banner year. Um, but yeah, he played 81 games for the Hawks and had 12.9 points a game. Would not have actually known that had I not had access to the com. Agreed. NBA news, notes, and quotes. December 24th, 1985
1: through January 7th, 1986 on December 25th, otherwise known as Christmas Day. It is in most countries around the world. Mm-hmm. The previous week at the Chicago Stadium, Michael Jordan sat on the bench draining 30-footers after taking a bet from Bulls PR director Tim Hallam. MJ took the $10 win from Hallam and gave it to the Bull boys to split as he swished the second of three attempts while seated on the bench.
0: That's a good effort. I think in Come Fly With Me, we see some footage of Jordan sitting on the bench, taking some shots.
1: It might be a bit of a long shot. I'd love to know if that was that footage. It would have been a long shot, probably 30 foot. Yeah, 30 foot. <sighs> <Yeah>. MJ's <laughs> unexpected winter vacation was expected to last until the middle of January, if not longer, wrote Bob Sakamoto. Tim Hallam said that MJ is blessed. He could walk on water before the injury and now just gets his feet a little wet. That's a good quote. Jordan immediately dismissed talk of him not returning to what he was before the injury as a player after Knicks center and future bull Bill Cartwright experienced issues from a broken foot for years after the injury. Former podcast guest as well, Bill Cartwright. Shameless self-promotion
0: has already begun. Episode 43 of the show, courtesy of your list that you sent me. Thank you. In New York, Patrick Ewing's best game as a pro could not have come at a better time. His Knicks were in deep trouble. Speaking of water... They were down 58 to 33, with less than six minutes remaining in the third. Entering the fourth, Patrick had just eight points. He scored 18 last quarter points, including 12 of his team's final 14. Tied at the end of regulation, Ewing was ably assisted by Rory Sparrow, Gerald Wilkins, and an expertly timed three-pointer from sharpshooter and future Chicago Bull, Trent Tucker, with 11 seconds left in overtime. The Knicks put Boston away in the second overtime period, the final score was 113 to 104. Ewing led New York with 32 points and 11 boards. And for the 21 and 7 Celtics, Kevin McHale, Robert the Chief Parrish, and Larry Bird all had 20 plus points. This victory was the Knicks' second three game win streak of the season. And they'd head to Chicago the very next day. And we'll get to that shortly.
1: Just think about that for a second. The Knicks had 33 points in 30 minutes of play. Incredible, isn't it?
0: Yeah. The other game on the Christmas Day slate. The LA Clippers ventured to Memorial Coliseum in Portland to take on the Trail Blazers. Marcus Johnson's monster performance, and this is a great stat line. 31 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks was not enough. As his Clippers fell 121-107, to Portland outscored LA 41-22 to in the second quarter, and the rest is history. Kiki Vanderway led the Blazers with 26 points, and Sam Bowie in just 29 minutes contributed 12 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists in one of the best games of his 38 regular season appearances during the 86 season. And sadly, PA announcer and voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, Dave Zinkoff, died on this day aged 75. The last game that he worked was November the 13th. His career with Philadelphia commenced in 1946. We'll mention a fitting show of respect that features 76ers great Julius Irving
1: later in this episode. In other NBA news on this day, Jamal Wilkes announced his retirement from the NBA on this day. I just said on this day twice. <laughs> so in case you missed it, it was on this day. Wilkes said his move from the LA Lakers to the LA Clippers was like going from a Rolls-Royce to a 62 Chevy. Ah,
0: oh, nice comparison.
1: Wilkes was released by the Lakers after the 84-85 season and was picked up by the Clippers. He said he was grateful for not having to move his family and stay in a town that had shown him a lot of love over the years, but playing for the Clippers was at the other end of the Philadelphia spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he actually said the word Philadelphia. Yeah, I may have added that in.
0: Uh, I like it, though.
1: On uh, the following day, Bob Sakamoto's article in the Tribune wrote, Bulls get visit from Nick's St. Patrick. On the day after Christmas, St. Nick just had his day, and the Bulls hope Thursday night won't be St. Patrick's night. Nice. Bob wrote that Ewing had been a one-man revival show in the Big Apple, occasional help from the likes of MB85 favourite Pat (laughs) Cummings, Lewis Orr, and future Bull, Trent Tucker. And Orr, Trent Tucker, no, sorry. Patrick had assisted the NBA's newest super rookie, but with injuries to star Bernard King and Senator Bill Cartwright, Patrick has been left to his own devices. The soft-spoken Georgetown Hoyer had shrugged off criticism from legend Will Chamberlain, who said that Patrick was too combative in-game after several ejections for fighting. Hmm. Mounts and Allback reiterated that the Bulls had been stressing defense recently and keeping teams to below 110 points in their previous seven games. The Knicks were, at this point, the lowest-scoring team in the NBA in 29 years at just 95 points per game.
0: That is low, even for 1980 standards. Now, that day, New York at Chicago in front of 12,362 fans Saw the Knicks win 113-96, to 96, and the Bulls dropped to 11-21. and 21. For Chicago, George Gervin had a great game, 30 points. Orlando Woolridge, 21. Cole Macy, 12 points and 9 assists, and Charles Oakley, 12 boards. And for the Knicks, the aforementioned Pat Cummings, 22 points and 10 rebounds. Future Bull Trent Tucker, 17 points. And Bob Thornton, 1 point and 3 rebounds. So when I saw that name, I went to basketballreference.com, as you do. Yes. This was Thornton's rookie season. He played 71 games and played more than 280 in his career. His high score was 17 points. And how's this for a stat, mate? He played from 86 through to 1992. Then he had three years in Italy before returning for one more tilt in the NBA for seven games with the Washington
1: Bullets in 1996. I had no idea that he'd come back. I don't recall him as a player on court so much, but more on NBA hoops, trading cards. I remember Bob Thornton, especially... When he played with the other 76ers, it must have been in 1991, I think it was. But, yeah, I had no idea that he came back.
0: He might have had a three-year break so he could continue his burgeoning acting career. Bob Thornton. <coughs> ah, let's move straight on. <laughs> Former Bull Steve Johnson dropped 26 points on the visiting LA Lakers as San Antonio belted LA 109-91. to The Spurs moved to 18-12. and Whilst the Lakers dropped just their fourth game of the year, twenty four and four, they were at that stage. Houston at home defeated Utah by seven points, one hundred six to ninety nine. Two Rockets were on fire. Hakeem hmm. had Hakeem had twenty one points, fifteen rebounds, and a then career high nine blocks. His all time best was twelve in the eighty seven and eighty nine seasons. Not to be outdone, Ralph Sampson grabbed twenty five caroms. Not sure why I put caroms there, but obviously I wanted to use it. It players yeah. Former podcast guest and friend of the show, Mark Eaton, episode 49, had a great game for the Jazz. He notched up 10 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 blocks. Now, his career high, speaking of blocks, was 14 back in the 85 season, and in 1989, he also had that tally as well. Utah's scoring was led by the ever-reliable Adrian Dantley with 35 points, and the mailman posted 26 points and 15 boards. Sacramento visited the Golden State Warriors and lost 131 to 121. It was a high-scoring affair. For the Warriors, Purvis scored 41, three short of his 1986 season high of 44, some 16 days hence. Joe Barry Carroll had 30 points and 13 rebounds. And for the Kings, Reggie Theus had 30 points and was also in the giving mood, handing out 11 assists. Eddie Johnson, episode 41, also had 30 points. Now, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I'll elaborate a bit further. Minus Dr. J., The 76ers disposed of the hometown LA Clippers 117-108. to Irving remained in Philadelphia to attend the funeral of Dave Zinkoff, which I think is a very classy act from the doctor. And from the book titled Tales from the Philadelphia 76ers Locker Room, written by Pat Williams, probably most famously known as Orlando Magic GM, I guess you could say, and Gordon Jones. There is a, a heading titled A Voice Stilled. Now, I won't read all of it, but just a couple of quick things. Dr. J had given the eulogy at the funeral of Dave Zinkoff. Uh, As we said, he was 75 and he died on Christmas Day, 1985. Now, here's what uh, Irving went on to say. Of all the qualities that I can think of that he possessed, the most natural to him was not his voice or his mastery of a phrase. To me, it was his servicing of friendships. Dave Zinkoff was my grandfather, father, brother and son rolled into one giving, sharing, loving person who cannot and will not be replaced ever. I long for the day when I can be a fraction of the friend that Zink was. Wow. Yeah, pretty incredible words there from Dr. J.
1: Have you read that book?
0: No, I just came across this in a Google search after I tried to find out some more details about Dave Zinkoff, Mm. who, of course, is one of the most famous PA announcers, probably in history of sports, basically, you have to say.
1: Yeah, and you can hear my Dave Zinkoff impersonation in mb 85 dash. i have no idea One of the more popular episodes. On uh, December 27, what was supposed to be MJ's cast party turned out to be a sad state of affairs against the Ewing-less Knicks. MJ's cast came off earlier in the day, and the Bulls' shooting touch went off at the same time. Wrote Bob Sakamoto. Bulls fans booed when told that Patrick Ewing had stayed in New York to rest a sprained knee and didn't stop booing until the final siren (laughs) in a game in which the Bulls gave up 38 points in the first term. Crazy. Post-game, Stanley Allback said he shouldn't have been so nice to his players and giving them Christmas Day off. 38% Thirty eight percent shooting for the Bulls was only offset by eleven for twenty shooting from Iceman in his thirty point game. Q went a hideous one for thirteen in the field, and Orlando just seven for eighteen. Matched up against six nine backup center Ken the staircase bannister. <laughs> Oldham and Corzy managed just eight points between them. General manager Jerry Krause held a twenty minute closed door meeting after the game.
0: So Kraus was chatting for twenty minutes with some closed doors. That's strange. Um, now Jordan's actual return it should be said as well, mate. Was March fifteenth, nineteen eighty six, versus Milwaukee. Now you just mentioned there that in that twenty seventh of December article, we're talking about a when was a possible return? Like
1: the uh, the regular date that was mentioned was February first.
0: February first. Hmm. Just for what it's worth, Jordan's actual return was quite later than that. Anyhow, mate, I've derailed you enough there. Just continue
1: on if you like. On the 28th, Bulls owner Jerry Reinsdorf attended practice at the Multiplex, where I was able to get a few shots up uh, whilst I was in Chicago last year, for the first time after the loss to the Knicks. Perplexed at his team's 11 and 21 start to the season, he planned to start attending more practices and spending more time with the head coach. After his other team, the White Sox, had kept him to only watching Bulls games on Sports Vision,
0: I'll never tire of your references to... (laughs) Going
1: to the multiplex and uh, having some shots
0: in 2015, mate.
1: Great stuff. Just trying to make myself feel better about you having actually been to Chicago Stadium, mate.
0: Oh, that's right. I have too. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for reminding me of that. Now,
1: on the night of the
0: 28th, Indiana at Chicago in front of a very lowly crowd, 7,124, saw the Chicago Bulls defeat Indiana 108 to 104. Now the Bulls improved to 12 and 21. For Chicago, Woolridge had a great game with 31 points. Sydney Green, still chowing down on that spinach, it seems, had 23 points and 15 rebounds. And Dave Corzine, 12 points and 10 boards. For Indiana, Wayman Tisdale had a very good game, 26 points and 12 rebounds. And 86 was his rookie year. And he averaged 14.7 points and 7.2 boards a game. So very good effort there from Tisdale. 1984
1: gold medalist.
0: Yeah, that's right covered in some depth as well in the first few episodes of nb 85 dare i say of course ewing would win the rookie of the year but very solid effort there from very solid hat tip there to uh lee ellis very solid effort there from wayman tisdale for a rookie season and steve the swinger stepanovich mate 17 points and 12 rebounds
1: if you hadn't have dropped the swinger in then i was going to be very (laughs) upset.
0: i saw his names i thought i might as well throw it out there now at the buzzer Former podcast guest Ricky Pierce, episode twenty eight. Wow, that's about three or four shameless self promotions already. Tipped in an Alton Lister miss to give Milwaukee a one hundred fourteen to one twelve overtime win on the road in Cleveland. For the Bucks, Sid Moncrief was outstanding with thirty-five points, five rebounds and five assists. John Bagley's eighteen point, eleven rebound, and thirteen assist effort almost dragged the Cavs over the line,
1: but not quite. And may I say a great effort by the Cavs? Big men to allow the six four Ricky Pierce to dip in the offensive rebound. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: uh in New York, Atlanta easily disposed of
0: the Knicks one hundred to eighty. New York rookie Patrick Ewing missed his second straight game with a jammed knee. Neek was unconscious, dropping thirty six points and seventeen rebounds as well. Uh do you drop seventeen rebounds? I'm not sure. With John Concack grabbing a career high twenty
1: boards. Just an effort by Nick when he's out cold.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a fantastic effort, given he was actually unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Adrian Dantley, he was a scoring machine in the 1980s. I won't get tired of saying that either. 39-point performance was overshadowed in his team's 110-108 to home loss to Boston. Danny Ainge hit the would-be game-winning field goal late. The 22-7 and Celtics were led by Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, each scoring 24
1: points. On the 29th, this edition of the Tribune included a fantasy draft held by notable sports writers in Chicago to select Chicago's all-time dream team across its five major sports teams. Hmm, Interesting. Included was a ballot for fans to fill out with players across all positions for the Bulls, Cubs, Bears, White Sox and Blackhawks for fans to vote for their own inclusions into the team. The Bulls' representatives were... Jordan, Sloan, Van Lear, Theus, Boozer, Love, Walker, Woolridge, Borwinkle, Gilmore, and coaches, Kirby Moser, and for a second time, Jerry Sloan.
0: <laughs> He's somebody to appear on the ballot twice. Um, Carlos Boozer, very lucky to get in that list. <laughs> extraordinary. It is extraordinary. Social media was not even a figment of anyone's imagination back at this stage, so I love how they had to just fill out a ballot in the newspaper and mail it in.
1: I made a purchase on eBay a few years ago of a 1985 NBA All-Star Ballot, one of the original ballots that were available in footlockers, I think it was at the time.
0: I think you've shown me that once before too. It's a very cool piece of memorabilia. You manually
1: had to fill out the ballot uh, and send it back in. Very cool.
0: Yeah. The only game that was played on December 29 saw the visiting Golden State Warriors shock the Lakers 130 to 122. The 12 and 22 Warriors led by Joe Barry Carroll's 30 points, Chris Mullen dropped 24, and for the 25 and 5 Lakers, Magic Johnson had 30 points and 12 assists, and Byron Scott chimed in with 29 points.
1: The SAC wrote that the Bulls were going for two in a row for the umpteenth time after not having won two in a row since they started the season with three straight wins. When asked why the Bulls aren't winning, guard Kyle Macy said the Bulls were relying too much on the crowd to give them the extra kick that they needed, and Dave Corzine pointed to a lack of chemistry even on the practice court. He said he has been waiting for four years for the team to come around. Wow. Luckily, he's been a pretty patient guy, wrote Bob. (laughs) He also said the February 1 return of Michael Jordan will help alleviate some of these problems. In the
0: December 30 Chicago Tribune, in the News Notes and Nonsense, I noted this little piece of magic here, might Have a listen to this. A Christmas tree decorated by basketball star Nancy Lieberman brought $5,000 at an auction to benefit the New York Special Olympics. Some of the ornaments Lieberman draped from the branches were Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's goggles, Mark Aguirre's sneakers, jerseys worn by Patrick Ewing and Michael Jordan, and greeting cards from National Basketball Association legends, Wilt Chamberlain, Bob Cousy, John Havlicek, and George Mikan.
1: How good is that? $5,000. Imagine what that will be worth now.
0: Exactly. Incredible. Some of these items, I had to read it twice when I first saw it. $5,000 is a fantastic effort. It would have gone for more, but apparently Havlicek stole the baubles. Well, I'm not even sure if that's going to make the episode, but um, (laughs) we'll move on. In my mind, that was a great joke. Didn't quite play out that well. Um, Chicago at Cleveland, mate, in front of 11,086 fans, saw the Bulls win 121 to 117, and the Bulls improved to 13 and 21. George Gervin continued his great form with 31 points. Sidney Green had 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists, almost a triple double for Popeye. That's great effort. And Quentin Daly, 19 points and 9 rebounds. For Cleveland, Will B. Free had 29 points. Roy Hinson, 19 points and 10 boards. John Bagley, 15 points and 18 assists, and Mel Turpin, 10 points and 10
1: rebounds. There goes the dinner bell.
0: Yes, Mel.
1: Mm -hmm. The win marked the first time in 31 games that Chicago had won two straight, all thanks to the Bulls' new motion offense, said Dave Corzine. The much shorter Cleveland guards were taken advantage of all game as the 6'8 Gervin posted them up or the burly Quinton Daly outmuscled them for 19 points, 5 assists, and nine rebounds.
0: Herb Williams notched up the third highest scoring game of his professional career netting 38 points in his Pacers 17-point road win at Washington. The Bullets were led by 11 year veteran Cliff Robinson and his 27 points. In the Bucks 121 to 110 victory over Detroit, future bull Craig Hodges severely dislocated the index finger on his right hand. He'd missed more than a month's worth of games before returning early February 1986. And at Denver, Alex English dropped 42 points, 10 rebounds, six assists and three steals as his Nuggets held off Houston 125 to 122. Backup center Danny Shays had 21 points. The visiting Boston Celtics made light work at the LA Clippers 125 to 103. Kevin McHale had 22 points and 18 rebounds whilst Larry Legend chimed in with 21 points and the Celtics moved to 23 and seven and San Antonio's five-game win streak was snapped as the hometown Portland Trailblazers won 125-110. to Clyde the Glide had an absolute ripper, 23 points, 15 rebounds, and 11 assists. Sweet Bells, a.k.a. Michael Thompson, had 30 points and 9 rebounds, and Sam Bowie had 21 points, 11 boards, and 6 assists. And for the Spurs, Artis Gilmore had 30 points and 11 rebounds, and Mike Mitchell, 29 points. On December 31, mate, there were no games played, And quickly, the player of the month for December was Alvin Robertson from San Antonio Spurs, who averaged 20.9 points, 6.9 rebounds, 5.8 assists, and 3.9 steals a game as his Spurs went 10 and 5. So great numbers there from Alvin Robertson, aka Sergeant Swat, I'm pretty sure, from Dazzling Dunks and Basketball Bloopers.
1: And I think one of the most underrated guys from the 80s and early 90s. Definitely was, mate. He
0: could play all facets of the game. In January 1986, mate, on the 1st, otherwise known as New Year's Day, the Chicago Tribune reported that New Jersey Nets' Michael Ray Richardson, who had been AWOL the previous four days, admitted he was suffering from a drug-related problem. He succumbed to the NBA for treatment. Reports indicated he'd be indefinitely suspended without pay and the Nets would foot the bill for treatment under the league's drug policy. And for NBA fans, New Year's Day was celebrated in style, though there was just one game on the slate. It was an overtime barn burner. Philadelphia at Portland prevailed 121 to 119. Moses Malone had 35 points and 14 rebounds, and Charles Barkley went for 31 points and 13 rebounds. Kiki Vanderway had 30 points for the Blazers, and Drexler, 23 points, 7 rebounds, 12 assists, and 4 steals. So good stuff there from the glide. On the second, in the Tribune's News Notes and Nonsense column, I gleaned this magnificent tidbit. Cleveland guard will be free. Buys 30 tickets for each home game and gives them to underprivileged children who sit in a corner of Richfield Coliseum called World's World. That's cool. That is cool. Same day, mate. In the briefs section, a story about Dr. Duncanstein, Daryl Griffith, aka the Golden Griff. He broke his foot in a pickup game before the season had started, and he hadn't played since. Reports suggested that he would miss the entire '86 campaign. In fact, he did miss the '86 season altogether, and he was aged just 27 at the time. However, continued his career with the Jazz until he would retire after the 1991 NBA season. Mm. On this 2nd of January, mate, Detroit at Chicago in front of 13,247 saw the Bulls win 131 to 122, so quite a high-scoring game there. And Chicago moved to 14 and 21 and celebrated the first three-game win streak since Jordan's injury. For the Bulls, Daly and Woolridge had 26 points. George Gervin, 22. Sidney Green, 19 points, 10 rebounds and 5 assists. And Davey Corzine, never called him Davey before, probably will Ever. never call him Davey again. 9 points and 13 rebounds. <laughs> for, for Detroit, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, 29 points and 8 assists. Kelly Trapuca, love a good Kelly Trapuca mention, 25 points, 5 rebounds and 6 assists. And Bill Lambier,
1: 24 points and 9 boards. David Corzine, no relation to David Crockett. <laughs> uh, Those in attendance feasted on pure entertainment for two hours and eight minutes and then redeemed their ticket stubs for free pizzas.
0: Yeah, they feasted. I like it.
1: Pizza Hut gave everyone free pizza every time the Bulls scored more than 120 points in a game in the 85 86 season. George Gervin started out with 17 first-quarter points, and Q put on one of his patented fourth-quarter shows with 14 points in the final 7:09 of the game. Wow! The players were all Rocky Mountain high on the Bulls' new motion offense, which had resulted in their first three-game win streak since the first three games of the season. A 50 to 27 rebounding edge to the Bulls was also accompanied by the ejection of Kyle Macy late in the first half after an entanglement with the Pistons' Tony Campbell.
0: Wow. Top Cat would have been a bit uh, more muscly and burlesque, I would have thought, than burlesque. I don't even know if that's the right use of the word. <laughs> burlesque. In fact, I don't think it was the burlesque. Burlesque. <laughs> Apparently, you put on a, put on a dress and... Uh, you put on a great show. Goodness me. <laughs> that probably won't make the episode. In fact, I'm sure it won't. Um burlesque. Burlesque. Apologies to Tony Campbell if you're listening. And Kyle Macy for that matter. Kyle. In the Washington Bullets away win at New York, the three leading scorers, Jeff Malone with 37, Gus Williams with 32, and Cliff Robinson 28, they accounted for 97 of the team's 115 points, defeating the Knicks by six. New York was led by Gerald Wilkins and his 19 points. Ewing, in his first game back since Christmas Day, scored 11 points in the loss. Now, whilst it was his first game back since Christmas Day, he did attend the Tony Campbell Burlesque performance. Um, Boston dominated hometown Indiana, winning 122 to 104. The Celtics' record moved to 24 and 7. Dennis Johnson scored 29 points, and teammate Larry Bird casually dropped 27 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists, and four steals. The 9 and 22 paces were led by 1984 Olympian Vern Fleming and Wayman Tisdale's 18 points apiece. Actually, they were both 1984 Olympians, I should say. Gold medalists? On the 3rd of January, mate, the Ailing New York fired its former star, then director of basketball operations, Dave DeBusher, replacing him with Scotty Sterling, who was the then NBA vice president of operations. Yes. Yes. I think he probably was saying the opposite of yes, let's be honest. No. No. In Atlanta, the Pistons failed to fire on all cylinders, dropping a 111 to 101 decision versus the Hawks. This was Detroit's 10th loss in its previous 11 games. Dominique had 32 points and 10 rebounds. Kalajapuka led the Pistons with 26 points and Lambeer had 22 points and nabbed 17 rebounds. At home, the Celtics had great scoring input from Bird, Johnson and McHale, 76 points combined. 25 and 7, Boston won the game 129 to 117 against the New Jersey Nets. And on the 4th of January, Atlanta at Chicago in front of another pretty ordinary crowd, 8,826, saw the Hawks come in and take the win 111 to 100. The Bulls were 14 and 22 at that time. For the Bulls, Woolridge had 21 points, Sidney Green 15 points and 10 boards, Jawan Oldham had 7 points, 12 rebounds and 4 blocks. And for Atlanta, Dominique, 27 points and four steals. John Koncak had 14 points and seven rebounds.
1: The Atlanta Hawks had an answer to the Bulls' three-game win streak. His name was Dominique. The emergence of Wilkins from slam-dunking to complete player, to be mentioned alongside the likes of Magic and Bird, had the Hawks second in the Central at this point of the season. Doc Rivers attributed a preseason of him staying on Dominique's case in practice, to be one of the driving forces to Nick becoming an all-star caliber player in 85-86. Rivers said if Wilkins was 30 feet away from the basket, he wouldn't pass to him. But if he was under the basket, he'd get it to him every time and would even start yelling at him if he took a bad shot. A preseason team meeting resulted in the Hawks trying to run other teams off the court with their younger legs in 1986.
0: Good stuff there from Doc Rivers. Interesting to note, mate, in Bob Sakamoto's NBA notebook column in that day's Chicago Tribune, there were actually rumblings of Chuck Daly's possible firing as Detroit coach. Incredible, in hindsight, really, to think that he could have been given the axe before the Pistons even entered the top echelon of the Eastern Conference, won two NBA titles to then be topped off with Chuck Daly, named Dream Team Coach in 1992 at the Olympics. Um... On the 5th of January, mate, technically there were only two games played on this date, and I'll get to more of that in a moment. Both were blowouts. Purvis Shorts, 36 points, were a game high in his Warriors' road loss to the Portland Trailblazers, 136-120. to 120. The other game had the visiting Washington Bullets falling by 30 to the juggernaut that was the LA Lakers, 118-88. to 88. Rookie AC Green had 20 points and 10 rebounds off the bench for LA, whilst the Magic Man dialed up 17 assists.
1: Juan Oldham was excused by the Bulls on the 6th of January to return home to Seattle to be with his older brother Bruce who was suffering from brain cancer. Oldham, who was one of 11 children, was told that his 40-year-old brother only had a matter of three or four days to live. Wow.
0: I had no idea about that. That's very confronting.
1: In other news, Michael Jordan's famous left foot was due to be examined again this week, with Mark File expecting MJ to be back on court on February 1st at the latest. Hmm. And whilst in Chicago filming a movie, actors Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines frequented Bulls games at Chicago Stadium. Whenever Orlando saw Crystal at a game, he would give the actor his best Billy Crystal impersonation. <laughs> I, however, will not.
0: <laughs> uh, I was just you're almost expecting your Billy Crystal rendition there, eh? but... Um would have been some good comic relief.
1: On the night of
0: January 5, mate, for the first time in NBA history, a game was postponed in progress. Hat tip there to the Chicago Tribune. The leaky roof atop the Seattle Center Coliseum led to wet patches on the court, making play too dangerous. So the game was called off early in the second quarter with the visiting Sons of Phoenix ahead 35-24. to NBA Commissioner David Stern then ruled the game would resume the following day, January 6th. 1986 with the score Phoenix 35 Seattle 24 and 10 minutes and 48 seconds were left in the second quarter so that was pretty cool to note the Suns prevailed 114 to 97 Phoenix's high man was Larry Nance with 27 points James Edwards future bull aka Buddha had 25 points and the X-Man was the only Sonics player with 20 plus points he racked up 24 in his team's 17 point loss Two other games occurred on January the sixth. Philadelphia won for the ninth time in ten games, holding off San Antonio one hundred eight to one hundred two. Sacramento at home walloped the Bo- the Washington Bullets. Hmm. <laughs> the Washington Bullets one hundred six to eighty seven.
1: Hello to Chris Bosch, if you're listening. <laughs> oh
0: jeez. Reggie Theus had seventeen points and sixteen assists. It was the seventeenth consecutive sellout at Arco Arena in front of ten thousand three hundred thirty three. Fans chanted three in a row, three in a row during the final minute. That was the Kings' first three-game win streak of the 85-86
1: season. On the following day, the Bulls' 12th man, Mike Smreck, could have been excused for tossing and turning in his sleep all night as he was about to start for the first time in his NBA career with regular starting centre, Joan Oldham, back home in Seattle. Stan Allback wanted to keep Dave Corzine in his regular role off the bench leaving the Bulls' 12th man, Smrek, pronounced wreck as in nervous wreck, wrote the sack. <laughs> Albeck, with a laugh, said they were trying to knock the Chicago Bears off the front page of the paper with the controversial move. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good little tidbit, this one. The sack then wrote that he would likely start the game against Mike Jaminski and also encounter Chocolate Thunder during the game.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the NBA, Mike Smrek. Mm. In that said game, New Jersey Nets at Chicago in front of just 7,716 fans. The Nets held on to win 110 to 105. The Bulls dropped to 14 and 23, and the Nets improved to 22 and 14. However, they actually ended the season 39 and 43. So the wheels certainly fell off towards the end of their season, or maybe the Walls fell off because it was coach Dave Wall. Chicago were led by George Gervin with 28 points, and Sydney Green had 18 rebounds. And for New Jersey, the aforementioned Daryl Dawkins had 24 points and six boards, and Otis Birdsong had 19 points and nine assists. 24
1: points and several power dunks by Daryl Dawkins gave Mike Smrick a tough initiation in his first ever NBA start. Post-game, Smrick commented on how strong Dawkins was and that he, and I quote, had a good time with me (laughs) as Chocolate Thunder (laughs) simply <laughs> held Smrek off with one hand to get position for those numerous power dunks. Dawkins said that Smrek was big, strong, and worked hard, so he'll be all right, then followed that with, now I'm going to get me some ribs and I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Daryl Dawkins, always up for a quote. George Gervin showed appreciation of Dawkins' game with this comment, He's just live. Ain't no Memorex when it comes to Double D. No, sir, he's live. Of course, I went straight to Wikipedia for an explanation of what ice meant when he said this, and it turns out that Memorex entered the consumer media business in 1971 and started the ad campaign, first with its shattering glass advertisements, and then with a series of famous television commercials featuring Ella Fitzgerald. In the commercials, she would sing a note that shattered the glass while being recorded to a Memorex audio cassette. The tape was played back and the recording also broke the glass, asking, is it live or is it Memorex? Wow. This would become the company slogan, which was used in a series of advertisements released through the 1970s and 1980s. There you go. That's, that's,
0: that is that's some great information.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you
0: went and did some more research there, mate. Thanks for doing that. Always appreciated. Now, in a gutty four-point win at home, the Pistons held off the Boston Celtics 113 to 109. Isaiah Thomas lit up with 39 points and 13 assists for the Pistons, ending his team's six-game losing skid and simultaneously snapping the 25-8 and Celtics' four-game win streak. In possibly the greatest quote we'll pull from the 86 archives, Isaiah, talking about the victory, said, At this point, it didn't matter if we beat the Little Sisters of the Poor. We needed a win. <laughs> Fair enough. The Celtics' Kevin McHale paced Boston with 29 points. Robert Parrish was ejected in the second quarter for throwing a punch at Bill Lambier. What?! Eh, yeah. who would have thought? Lane Beer would have aggravated somebody enough to want to punch. Um, Larry Bird's would be game tying basket with just seven seconds left got waved off due to an offensive foul that was called on Kevin McHale. Akeem Elijah monster stat line of 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 blocks kept his 23 and 12 Houston Rockets unbeaten at home, defeating Golden State 124 to 115. Let's round the episode out, mate, with our players of the week for December 29. Your favourite, Dominique Wilkins of Atlanta, 35.5 points, 15.5 rebounds and 3 assists a game. And the Hawks went 1 and 1. Due to the Christmas break, of course, not too many games were played at that period of time. And January 5, Clyde Drexler of Portland had 21.3 points, 9 rebounds, 9.3 assists and 2.8 steals, guiding his Trailblazers to a 3 and 1 record. For the individual highs, points, it was Alex English with 42 in Denver's game versus Houston on the 30th of December. Rebounds, Ralph Sampson pulled down 25 boards versus Utah on the 26th of December, and the high assist man was Sleepy Floyd of Golden State with 18 at LA on the 29th of December, and he was matched by John Bagley of Cleveland versus Chicago on the 30th of December. Now, let's round it out with the NBA standings through January the 7th, 1986. The division leaders were in the Atlantic, Boston were 25 and 8. In the Central, Milwaukee were 25 and 12. In the Midwest, Houston was 23 and 12. And in the Pacific, specifically, the Lakers were 27 and 5. The Bulls were 14 and 23. They went 3 and 3 during the span of time. And the Indiana Pacers were the salad dwellers of the league at 10 and 23. All right, mate. That rounds out another episode of the show. <laughs> this is normally where I say, Would you like to add anything? Of course, you do add something. Thanks again, mate, for being part of the show. What would you like to add there, mate? Tony
1: Campbell ain't live. He's burlesque. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues, inallairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallairness. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash inallairness. Join me next time for another edition of the show. You know what this means. I'm going to have to include my stupidity of saying burlesque. Uh, you've stitched me up an absolute treat.
1: Um, Yeah, well played. Good job. There's a pretty good strike rate of things that, that you say whilst we're recording that you then follow up with a, that probably won't make it to the final episode and it usually does.
0: <laughs> That's true because then I listen back to it on reflection and I think, you know, we can't be bloody perfect, can we? So Dude,
1: that ship sailed
0: back at the start of MB eighty <laughs> five. That's true. It did. That that went a long time ago. Um